Good evening, everyone, and welcome to High Spirits. I'm Jay Stegman, and with me, as always, is my best pal. Noel Schmidt. That's right. We host a show called High Spirits in which we drink alcohol and we talk about ghosts. We sure do. That's correct. Uh, Noel, what are you drinking tonight? Um, well, Jay, tonight I thought I'd uh, kind of jazz it up a little bit because it's 60 degrees outside and I'm stuck in my house. So I'm having a little bit of a party with this um, chillable red wine that's called Keep It Chill. Hey. There's a party in this bottle. Keep it chill. Very cool. Speaking of parties, I am partying hardy with Coors Light brought to you by the good people of Colorado who have shipped me so much Coors Light that I can uh, do this show and really represent with pride my sponsorship. Coors Light tastes like water dyed yellow. Um, you know, we here at High Spirits are um, social distancers. We believe in the quarantine and we believe in the mission. That said, we get lonely as fuck. So tonight's show is not just a duo, it's a trio. It's a trio. Uh, <laughs> Noel, with us tonight is special guest Megan the Ensley. Megan, say hi. Hi, it's Megan. Hey. Yes, Megan, friend of the show, is here. Megan, you look gorge on our uh, Skype sesh right here. Thanks. It's very nice of you. I do like that you plucked your hair out when you were being introduced. Well, I, you know, it's just my brand. If I'm not true to myself, then everyone's going to know. That's good. That's good. Um, I am drinking Antihero by Revolution, uh, a Chicago brewery. I used to love drinking real beer. No offense. Hashtag Coors. Yeah, I'm trying to, I'm trying to like support that when possible. That's amazing. Yeah, support um, your local breweries and restaurants when you can at a reasonable and rational rational amount. Sure. Megan, you're such an important part of High Spirits. Um, we're so happy you're here tonight. What have you been doing to keep your time during this uh, quarantine? Wow, just lots of um, internet. And <laughs> um, designing women is usually on in the background. So. Uh-huh. Lots of TV um, and sitting out in my yard and looking at people and remembering when I used to to go outside, not just in my yard. Excellent. Are you yelling at people when they walk by you? Like, stay inside. Um, I usually wave at people because I'm just so excited to see someone else. So <laughs> I'm like dogs and they go up to the window and I'm like, what's that? <laughs> Except it's a person, and that person is me. And I usually do a head, a head nod or a wave or a smile, and yeah. That's what I've been doing. I wish I had a more fun answer to that. But I don't think um, <clears throat> we're supposed to have more fun answers to that at this moment in time. <laughs> no, no, this is it. What's your favorite website that you've been visiting? Hmm. Also, careful with this because it might be love after lockup, and we might be visiting Garrett, and it might be friends only. Um, it's not. <laughs> um, public, the public uh, version of that answer, which is Instagram. Um, I've been just looking at lots of things. I've been creating my own content because I do live by myself. And so I've just, like, I wanted to dye Easter eggs. And so I just dyed them myself using the things I had in my house. Um, so it's just, it's just about, like, finding, like, resourceful ways to do things that I would have been doing. 
um, without going to a grocery store or any store for that matter. Megan, you did the most wonderful thing um, when just before we were remain in shelter here in Chicago, you drove around to uh, people's homes with uh, uh, signs. Do you mind telling that story? Because when you did it to me, I just smiled for about three days because I, I was already in quarantine. So, um, yes. So we had we had just gotten in lockdown, actually. I think it was like that Saturday or that Friday before I had been in quarantine for about three days at that point. And so I still had a lot of energy. And um, I thought back then, oh, yeah, back then, back, you know, a month ago. And I was like, well, I want to go see my friends because it was the first weekend where I, I wouldn't be able to go out. Um, and so I just made a sign on cardboard that said, hello, I miss you and K bye. And I just drove to people's houses and texted them to say, come to the window and I would just show them that sign and then drive off. So I'm still planning on doing it again. Um, I had some things I need to like finish doing before I can allow myself to have fun again, which is weird because like there's no time is not real anymore. Mm-hmm. And but here we are. So, yeah, it was it was fun. Um, and I didn't really care about driving around because I I never drive my car now. So, yeah. yeah. Well, here we are. And um, mm-hmm. one of the reasons why um, why Noelle and I came back with high spirits is uh, because we wanted to have a little bit of fun. We were on a hiatus for quite some time and uh, we're back and um, we're so happy to have you, Megan. As, as, yeah. as a listener of the show, um, I am so happy to have you both back. Um, I was I didn't know that you were coming back. So I was delighted when I saw this in my um, podcast, like on my Apple podcasts. Uh, so don't forget to like and subscribe. It's my <laughs> thank you, thank you. Well, it's one of those things too where like we are not obviously healthcare professionals, and um, there I'll I'll admit that I'm a, a high risk person, so I can't be out in public. Um, so uh, it's like, what can we do to be like helpful in any way? And this is like a good way to just kind of help people escape for 30 minutes from like the horrors that are happening around us. And if we can make you laugh or teach you something about ghosts. Um, <laughs> oh yeah. We're happy to do it. And so, and we're, we're happy for any uh, new people who have picked us up. Thanks for listening in and joining. And like Megan said, please subscribe on wherever you listen to podcasts and feel free to write a review unless it's nasty. Cause we just can't take it. <laughs> These are tough right. times, you guys. We're sensitive. Right. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Jay, uh, do you have a ghost yes. tonight? I do. I Tell do. Story. Um, so Megan and Noelle, just so you know, I'm going to be reading from my computer, so I will not be able to see your faces. So it's going to be mostly words that come up. So um, Should we just tell you what our faces look like? So I'm smiling right now. Yeah, please do. No, oh, I know what you're <laughs> but just in case, just in case I'm giving you the, the false image that I'm like looking at you, you know, uh, definitely when you, when you chime in, just chime in louder. So I don't over talk you. Okay. Cool. All right, guys. Um, my, my episode is called a ghost in Seattle, Ooh. Oh. but it's going to take us some time to get there as it usually <laughs> takes people some time to get to Seattle. <laughs> so, yeah, it's um, yeah. 
So I want to talk about somebody who um, I was kind of inspired. Hey, listen, everybody who's everybody who listens to this knows I'm a bit of a nerd. Um, I took ghost in a little bit of a metaphoric way this time. We have a literal ghost, but we also have a person who on some level was a ghost throughout her life. Um, she was uh, not very acknowledged, but she certainly was uh, the shadow behind somebody and the spirit behind somebody. So I'd like to talk about Alice B. Toklas. And okay. if you don't know who that is, <laughs> what'd you say? Oh, uh-huh. Yes, her. <laughs> you two look as excited as you should be, but... So you can um, see faces. <laughs> what'd you say? Oh, so you can see our faces. I, I, can, I, I turned off my words so I could see your faces like, of, like, stare. who the fuck is this? <laughs> Just, like, blank stare is like, hmm, yes, okay. Yes. Yeah, well, you're going to learn something. Alice Toklas. Alice B. Toklas, mofo. I'm so sorry. All right. Well, let me let me tell you a little bit, and then we'll we'll keep talking because I'm gonna I'm gonna try to make some parallels, um, and and try to just kind of get into it for you. So Alice B. Toklas was born in uh, 1877 in San Francisco, and she died in Paris uh, in 1967. Alice B. Toklas is remembered for two things. Uh, one, she was Gertrude Stein's great love, and two, she wrote a very unusual, revered memoir disguised as a cookbook chronicling uh, her life with Gertrude Stein. Oh. So as I like said, Alice really B. Toklas is kind of, what'd you say? Really sexy cookbook? Uh, not particularly. <laughs> <laughs> it's <laughs> but, very but, technical. Well, <laughs> no, I mean, it's a great literary read. And, and if you're paying attention, you could come out with a nice uh, hash recipe. Oh, so, okay. All right. Yeah. As all great literature is. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she had roasted chicken, but she's most famous for her chocolate hash recipe. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, so anyway, as I was saying before, like um, the person who she stood behind for most of her life, uh, this, so Alice B. Toklas is a very ghostly figure on some level, even in life, um, was Gertrude Stein. So I'm going to talk a little bit about Gertrude Stein. Um who we know as a literary legend. Um, Gertrude Stein was born in Allegheny, Pennsylvania in 1874. Uh, and she moved frequently throughout her life. Uh, but in 1903, she settled in Paris to pursue her career as an artist. Um, she was quoted as saying, Paris was the place. Um, it suited us who were to create the 20th century art and literature. And she was a huge central figure uh, in Paris at the time. She was an advocate of the avant-garde. Um, she shaped this artistic movement um, in which she demanded a novel form of expression in a conscious break with the past. So we're going to talk, we're, I'm going to have you guys like uh, share your thoughts in just a second. So you can get on board with who uh, Gertrude Stein was. Um, but Gertrude lived at the uh, at a Paris salon at 27 Rue de Fleurs. Um, she shared that with Alice B. Toklas, who was her lifelong companion. And yes, ladies and gentlemen, I do mean her lesbian life partner. Um, but people did not accept that or know that for many years. Some people uh, to this day try to denude them of that relationship. But they had like a 40-year relationship. 
Um, after the salon, the reality is that there was plenty of nudeness happening. Okay, I see you, Noel. <laughs> just shake it in your chair. <laughs> so, just a few more on Gertrude Stein before we kiki about it. Um, because she probably will become uh, famous to you in just a second. Um, at Gertrude Stein's salon, and maybe even to many people, she's a literary ghost, Gertrude Stein herself. Um, she actually was sort of like the, the mover and the shaker of uh, this, this movement of new moderns. So during the years between World War I and World War II, there was a steady stream of expatriate Americans and English writers who, whom Stein herself dubbed the lost generation. And she hosted soirees of them. Now, people who included in this are Ernest Hemingway, F. Scott Fitzgerald, Sherwood Anderson. Um, and she shared with them her literary quest uh, for what she quote unquote called an exact description of inner and outer reality. Um, Stein also influenced James Joyce. And so uh, he who wrote the masterpiece Ulysses, who I can barely like start the first hundred pages of five times. Yeah, I have, um, to, I have to assume it's a masterpiece because I've never gotten through it. Right? No. I've read anyway, Dubliners and that's it. He wrote Ulysses uh, after coming into contact with her. So here she is. Um, she would kick my ass if I said she was the dead mother of them because she didn't see herself as that. She saw herself as like basically a dude who wrote. Um here she is, like, sherping, sherping all this great literature, dubbed it herself the last generation of all these authors that shaped America from the 1930s, basically, till now. Uh, thoughts? <laughs> it feels like it, it, it's almost kind of like, you know, what Greenwich Village was probably like in, like, the 60s um, with the, what is it, the hotel... Um, Chelsea. Oh, the Chelsea, Chelsea. Hotel. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm like, mm -hmm. blanking. Where, you know, all those people living in there and just like all the, or even prior to that too, like in the, uh, with the beatniks and the, when was that, the 50s? Um, it just kind of feels like it was like an early version of that mm -hmm. with all these artists communing together and just kind of yeah. having, I'm sure there was like weird, like spiritualism happening at the same time and all kinds of like, all kinds of it passed around and yeah and probably was drugs lesbians yep. gays like the whole night uh conscientious um oh god what's the second one i'm looking for conscientious yeah. objectors yep. uh soldiers like people mm -hmm. who just it was an avant-garde time for art um and i'm only scraping the surface of literature can't wait to tell you who else showed up at her piece because all of these people were like that you referenced, James Joyce, F. Scott Fitzgerald, Ernest Hemingway, known for like their drinking and their alcoholism. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like the booze must have just been running rampant during that time. Yep. So Gertrude Stein was um, as well, like uh, uh, not she, she she was a literary artist, but she also had like a very big eye for uh, art in and of itself. Um, at her salon, she invited. Henri Matisse, Juan Gris, and Pablo Picasso. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. And so their big movements, actually, uh, they would talk about, they would philosophize about 
these visual artists and these literary artists in her salon. Um, and they would listen to her rhapsodize and pontificate about her thoughts. Now, the woman that we're going to talk about later is Alice B. Toklas, who is her companion. Um, it, it, it sort of feels a little bit sexist when you do the research where Gertrude would go off with all the dudes and like chat it out. And then like uh, Alice B. Toklas would kind of be like with all the wives and shit, all the girlfriends, like entertaining mm-hmm. them. Um, but their but their relationship was pr- pretty even um, for the time. But uh, yeah, a lot of the a lot of these guys really just thought of Gertrude as like a contemporary and almost uh, held her into this hold her held her into a like a high esteem as they would a man. Like they didn't think she was fucking with art. They thought she was like the the dealist of the deal. That's awesome. Yeah, it, what what you're describing, I think, was not just um, limited to the art world and literary world, but I dabble in psychology a little bit. And yeah. uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, like the humanistic um, movement really started around that time too, and that was the idea of like people moving toward like their own personal growth. And I think a lot of that has to do, it's, it's all kind of conglomerate, like this idea of people getting together and talking about things without these powers that be, and it's kind of an alternative situation. So that's kind of an aside, but I was, my no, mind, I love it. psychology part mm-hmm. of it. Yeah, I think you're totally right. Because like um, around the same time you have uh, on your, in your field of expertise, you've got, Jung and Freud and Anna Freud and all those all those folks like I mean yeah breaking down these um let's say very man-made sexist barriers where it's like hey let's listen to chicks and maybe they've got some interesting things to say mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so <clears throat> one of the things uh I started reading Gertrude Stein or I, I got interested in Gertrude Stein in college she is very difficult to read um I would recommend her but uh, most people can't stand it but there is something to to take on with it, um, and I'll just talk about this really quickly. So <clears throat> she, so how she helped Henri Matisse and Pablo Picasso, like what she, the way that she helped them was to experiment with uh, the sort of three dimensional past, present, future that's happening in real time. You can very, cle- you can very, very, very clearly see it in Pablo Picasso, right? Like if you look at his painting of horses, you can see. He's trying to capture. He's trying to capture that from every angle. Well, that's what she was trying to do in her writing, which I think why in 2020 she's lesser known because it's 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 a harder thing to have to read it than to see it, and a lot of people still don't even like Picasso because they're like, what? But she was a bold experimenter. She was also a self-proclaimed genius, which made her very annoying to people. <laughs> but <laughs> she rejected the linear time-oriented writing characteristic of the 19th century uh, for a spatial kind of, you know, process-oriented narrative. And so she, what she was trying to do in literature is capture, like, the three-dimensionality of all of this is happening in real time. So she would change narrative focus uh, within sentences and often within paragraphs, and often her sentences go on for pages. Um, I find them extraordinary. People like mostly hate it. But if you think about the people that she influenced, you're like, oh, I see what she was doing. Um, can I just interrupt right now? Of course. Um, so as, as someone who uh, has a, a strong appreciation for the English language, um, the 
use of a comma is so powerful when you do it correctly and you can create a sentence that goes on for days. Yes. And that is like, that is kind of like the beauty of Gertrude's sign and, and like the little bit of her that I've read that is really amazing to me because she proves that you can like keep a thought going, which is kind of how like my brain works a lot of times. Um, and I love it because it just is, it's so powerful, but it's annoying because people need a finality. Like to your point, Jay, like people want that closure. And so if it keeps going and going and going, it's really hard to follow. It's <laughs> very hard to follow. This, this isn't my note, so I'm just going to free ball, but uh, there's a writer called Mark Haddon, who's British, who wrote The Curious Incident of the Dog in the Night mm-hmm. and uh, A Spot of Bother, some other really great books. But he wrote a book, I want to call it The Red House, um, yep. that switches perspective every paragraph, if not more. It is such a great book uh, in it. I think it can only exist because of Gertrude Stein and um, what a worthy read. Did you read it, Noel? I have. Um, and it, it took me a little bit because you, you have to like figure out what's happening. And yes. um, it, so it takes you a little bit to kind of adjust to it. But once you do, it's, I think it's wonderful. Yeah. It's a weird book. Um, yeah. So just a few more things to say about this. Um, so... Um, most of Gertrude Stein's poems and fictions were devoid of plot. Most of them were devoid of, uh, dialogue. Um, she's actually famous for, uh, the phrase rose is a rose is a rose is a rose. Um, oh, is that where uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda got that? We could probably do a bulletin board of where he got all of his things. <laughs> oh, she went there. Okay. Well, Ron I was like, you read my book and you put music to it. Okay. <laughs> Just kidding. Hey, Lin-Manuel Miranda, we know you listen to the show. Keep sending us Coors Light. He's Thank actually you. here. Come on out. Come on out. <gasps> Lin! Did you not throwing away my shot again? <laughs> Can't wait. He's so good. <laughs> I also like Alexander Hamilton. Um, so anyway, um, uh, Gertrude Stein, her only bestseller was the autobi- the autobiography of Alice B. Toklas, um, which is a memoir of Stein's life written in the person of Toklas, which is has always been to me very fascinating because yes, this is true. She wrote her memoir as the autobiography of someone else, which of course in any day and time, you're not supposed to do. Um, prior to this, she had written a book or maybe a post, uh, the autobiography of everyone, which I read, which was the most compelling thing that I had ever read, especially because I was like very deeply uh, boho at the time. But the idea that somebody the idea that somebody would write something so beautiful and negative and beautiful and positive and then have the audacity to call it the autobiography of everyone blew my fucking fragile little brain. So I thought that was a really cool departure from form and actually it just spoke to her bravado as a writer that she would be willing to, to put herself on the line like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think, I mean, just going back again, like at that time for her to have as much recognition as she did as a woman and like, I mean, 
she had one best-selling novel, but she was so well-revered in that community speaks mm-hmm. a lot about her. And I mean, just, she clearly like gave a zero fucks as to what people thought of her. Like, in yeah, I mean, the rumors are huge too in literary, uh, um, communities and, and, and in fact her, Ernest Hemingway actually helped purport this theory that she helped him with at least two of his books and she was the one that grandmothered his very short style which is fascinating because she went on and on and on but in her going on and on and on she realized the efficacy of like a very well crafted three-word sentence yeah it's interesting all right so that is just the backstory so now we're actually going to talk about her faithful companion, Alice B. Toklas. Um, so Alice B. Toklas, her middle name was Babette. Um, she was born in 1877. Uh, and she, yeah. Did they call her Babs? They did not. They called her Alice B. Toklas. Bummer. <laughs> <laughs> um, she totally seems like a Babs. <laughs> yeah. She was a little butch for Babs, but okay. <laughs> I think it works. Barb. I think it works too. She's with my Barb. Barb. <laughs> Hello, Barb. She lived in she lived a very long life, actually. She was born in 1877, but she died in 1967. So, oh, so good 90 years. Um, she was, of course, the life partner of Gertrude Stein. She was born in second uh sorry, in San Francisco into a middle-class Polish Jewish family. She was educated in local schools. Um uh, shout out to my Seattle friends if you went to Mount Rainier Seminary uh, or the University of Washington. She studied in both those places. At the University of Washington, she studied piano. Um, yeah. yeah, five months after the uh, extraordinarily devastating 1906 San Francisco earthquake, Toklas left the city and she moved to Paris. Fancy. Totally oh, fancy. To study more piano. I, I've heard that France is known for its concert pianists. Well, yeah, got, I mean, <laughs> you've got, you know. She went there to guy. do a lot. <laughs> she went there to study a lot with her fingers. Yeah. <laughs> so, speaking of which, on September 8th, uh, 1907, uh, it was her first day as an American expat in Paris. Well, Alice B. Toklas met Gertrude Stein, and the two of them hung out, and they actually never, they did not spend a day apart, allegedly, but they fell in love and did not spend a day apart for the next 39 years until Stein's death. Dang. Wow. And so Gertrude Stein, as I just said, she had an extraordinary literary career, but of course, for every wonderful writer, there is somebody behind them. Um... Can I just call out yeah, the elephant in the room here? That is like the ultimate stereotype right there. Of yeah, you hauled in Paris. Falling in love in Paris and moving in together immediately. Yes. <laughs> yeah, she's like, I'm only been here a day where's the Eiffel. Hello. <laughs> Maybe I should have a baguette. Oh, wait. <laughs> what was she doing? She didn't go to the Louvre. She didn't go to Versailles. She just, like, hung out with Gertrude Stein. That was it. What's even weirder is that Gertrude Stein was driving a Subaru. <laughs> Hatchback. <laughs> you know, they both like tennis. 
It's <laughs> perfect. So um, let's see. Let me pull up my notes here. Um, so Gertrude would write late into the night um, and kind of, you know, as I said, Alice was a little bit of a ghost sometimes. Um, she, so Gertrude would like um, have these parties, talk to these men and, and write late into the night, but she was very sweet. And so she would leave notes next to the pillow when Alice woke up in the morning, uh, signed YD, short for your darling. Um, yeah. Um, in order to keep um, for, for, you know, I mean, even though their friends knew, but to kind of keep up appearances, uh, Alice B. Topless became Stein's secretary. Um, and so she took up, uh, like keeping appointments for her, but she also more importantly became her editor in Muse. So kind of like, uh, Zelda Fitzgerald, there's a little bit of like scuttlebutt about, uh, you know, Alice, B. Toklas might have ghostwritten some of these things, or at least inspired Gertrude Stein to be like this incredible writer. Huh. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, la, la, la. Oh, and did Alice they, B. Did, yeah, did go they ahead. Meet, they, I'm assuming they met, like, made friends with Hemingway and Fitz, the Fitzgeralds and everybody in Paris, right? Yeah, all this takes, all this takes place in Paris. Okay. Yep, cool. our ghosts will be in Seattle, but all of this takes place in Paris. Okay, cool. Yes, Megan? I was just putting, I forgot that you mentioned that Seattle um, was where the ghost was because I have had some revolution anti-hero. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> that, that awe was me putting it together in my mind. <laughs> yes. Yes. I'm also doing something, like, listen, quarantine is fucked with my brain. I'm, I'm doing a ghost story slash ghost writer story slash metaphorical someone we've forgotten ghost who actually happens to be a ghost later on. Anyway. I, and, and, and what I love about this is that, like, she, like, took, like, the back seat and seems seemingly was very gracious about it, but, like, um, was obviously, like, very important to Gertrude Stein's fame. And so, like, it's awesome to like be able to attach a name to that and put like and honor her in some way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel like Zelda Fitzgerald in the last maybe decade has gotten her due, but I don't think that people yeah. have cared that much. I mean, considering that F Scott Fitzgerald uh, was a protege protege of uh, Gertrude Stein. I think it's, I, I don't know. It's time here on high spirits that we have a literary episode. I've been, Talk more about books. <laughs> I feel like maybe this should have, I shouldn't have been on this one. <laughs> <laughs> do you have an, a Real Housewives episode coming up? I do, I do, I do. We have the ghost of uh, the one that died. <laughs> Did, have one one that any of them died? died? None of them have died, but husbands have died. That's true. <laughs> Megan, don't you worry. And, and don't you worry. I'm I'm almost finished, and then you can do something else with your time. Alice B. Tultus was also a writer, um, and um, I'm just going to read something from her book. What is remembered? Uh, she wrote she she wrote two things. Uh, she wrote more than that, but like two things that people remember, kind of. Um, this is what she said about uh, Gertrude Stein when she first met her. 
quote, it was Gertrude Stein who held my complete attention as she did for all of the many years I knew her. I knew her until her death and all these empty ones since. She was a golden brown presence burned by the Tuscan sun and with a golden glint in her warm brown hair. She was dressed in a warm brown corduroy suit. She wore a lot of round cor- she wore a large round coral brooch and when she talked very little or laughed a good deal I thought her voice came from this brooch. It was like it was unlike anyone else's deep full velvety velvety like a great contra altos like two voices. So she was a very pretty writer. Yeah. yeah. I sorry I screwed that up. Really yes. hung up on that ground corduroy suit part and that she found like that was something that she thought was worth mentioning. Yeah, that was her hotness. Well super hot in that corduroy suit. <laughs> you know, they were <laughs> it was it was a time. <laughs> she was completely covered in brown corduroy. So guys, I'm gonna get swish of her legs uh, as she walked. I'm going to get to sort of the, the little endy end here before I get to the, to the ghost. Um, and I, I just want to say this. Um, so Gertrude Stein willed her estate to Toklas, um, including their art collection. And their art collection had so many Picassos and so many like things that now in, in real money, not in real money, but in our day and age would be a ton of money. So they had all these portraits and pictures in their house um, at five Rue Christine. Um, but the couple had no like legal recognition and nobody thought their relationship was real. And so these paintings, um, Stein's relatives took action and they removed all of them from Toklas's res- uh, residence and they placed all of them in a bank vault while she was away on vacation. So she, her partner died. Uh, and then her partner died in 1946 and then they took all of the shit and they wouldn't let her have any of any of Gertrude Stein's shit. Uh, and they did it all under concealment of basically selfish bastards. So then Toklas relied on contributions from friends. And then in order to make a living, she wrote her most famous book, the Alice B. Toklas cookbook in 1954, which ostensibly was a cookbook, but really what it is, is it's a reminiscence of her life with Gertrude Stein um, that doesn't read like uh, a romance. It reads like, I was her secretary kind of deal, but anybody who knew them could see right through that. Um, Her most famous recipe in that, as I had said, uh, was her uh, recipe for hash fudge, which is a mixture of fruits, nuts, spices, and cannabis sativa. And so she wrote this in 1954. It almost got her banned. Yeah. And in many languages, they ended up leaving out this very, as obscure as she is, they ended up in many countries not publishing her and then leaving out this very famous recipe. Um, Her her later years were very difficult. She far outlived Gertrude Stein. and she she was constantly uh, had poor health and financial problems, mostly because Gertrude Stein's families were kind of assholes. Uh, Alice B. Toklas died in poverty at the age of 89. But now she's buried next to Stein in uh, Père Lachaise Cemetery in Paris, which everyone should go to. Jimi Hendrix is buried there, too. Père Lachaise Cemetery is one of my favorite cemeteries in the world. Um, guys, not only did Alice B. Toklas... Jimi Hendrix or Jim Morrison? 
Uh, oh, wait, is it Jim Morrison? Yeah, it is Jim Morrison. Because I, I Jim Morrison. Morrison buried in Seattle. Yeah. yeah. Whoops. But a lot of famous people are buried in uh, Père Lachaise. Uh, Gertrude Stein <laughs> didn't even get her own headstone, bitches. What? Her, oh. I'm sorry, Gertrude Stein did. Sorry, Alice B. Toklas, uh did not get her own headstone. She Her name uh, is engraved on the back of Gertrude Stein's headstone. So that's what I was talking about. That like, what a ghost Alice B. Toklas is. Like, they finally got buried together after uh, I think it was forty years after uh, a long time after her partner died. Uh, her name is just uh, written on the back. So I have a question: Was she was that her her first and only resting place, or was she buried somewhere else? And then was I think there? that's a great question, Megan, because that would explain a lot. Uh, yeah. I think first and only. Okay. I think first and only. Um, so we're going to get to the ghost. And um, guys, her ghost did not live in Paris with her. <laughs> or does not live in Paris. Uh, her ghost goes all the way back to Seattle. But how? Her body is in Paris. Well, <laughs> she spent her formative years in oh, no. Seattle. Tell Noel how ghosts work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So although uh, Alice B. Toklas spent the majority of her life in Paris, uh, she did study piano at the University of Washington, and she wanted to be a concert pianist. Um, allegedly, she haunts the Sorrento Hotel, S-O-R-R-E-N-T-O, Hotel. I love um, it. No, Alice Sorrento. What did you say? That's Sargento. I, I was confusing it with cheese. I'm sorry. Sorrento is a Kia. Oh, right. Oh, yeah. Yep, that makes sense. That's why she's doing it. <laughs> Megan, you know this. It's either a Kia or a Subaru. It's the two. It's the two. <laughs> it's the two. Do you drive a Stein or a Toklas? <laughs> yeah, Stein is the Subaru. And I'm like, Toklas is the... Well, yeah, we've got all this way for me just to have an excuse to talk about Alice B. Toklas. I'm going to talk about her ghost. Um, her ghost lives at the Sorrento Hotel in Seattle. Um, she is spotted in uh, mostly the fourth floor hallway. Um, she's spotted there quite a lot. She apparently wears a flowing white gown. And she lives in... For the most part, she lives in room 408. So if you were in the Sorrento Hotel in Seattle, um, check out room 408. You're bound to be with the ghost of someone you've never heard of. <laughs> <laughs> it's not most ghosts. Like, I feel it's like all most, ghosts. I'm not going to find like the famous ones. Megan, <laughs> we stayed in a hotel with a ton of ghosts. We didn't know their names. I know. What was that hotel? It was out of justice. I don't know. Was it like it was a like Motel a, 6? Best like a weapon. Hampton Inn. <laughs> <laughs> but like, but listen, we stayed in a suite in the Hampton Hampton Inn. I swear it was haunted as shit. <laughs> I've also just been to a ghost conference. And I so know, but we should have been like, Michael, is that you? And the eight you, guys would be like, yeah. <laughs> you probably had some spirits attached to you knowing like that situation. Oh, I probably did. I probably still do. Mine were all like, like Teflon. No, no ghost wants to talk to me. I'm b very boring in the ghost world. Who talks to you? 
no one wants to talk to me. I'm very boring in the ghost world. Like ghosts don't want to talk to me. Ah, uh, yes, 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 yes. I am also boring in the ghost world. No. <laughs> yes. You're not at all. That's not true. No, I want nothing to. I I want nothing to do with them. I won't have them in my world. Closed off. Closed off. Good well, day. um. Alice B. Toklas is known as a friendly ghost. Um, she doesn't do much but walk around. Um, apparently, she walks around the ground sometimes with a parasol. Um, she's never talked to anyone. She's never touched anyone. Uh, walks around like she owns the goddamn place, and then she disappears. Typical Alice. Typical Alice, right? Shows she did this for sure everybody's doing their job. Didn't do shit, and then she's like, you know what? I don't have to now. <laughs> Very secure. How, how do we know it's her? That's a great question. I don't think anyone necessarily does, although everyone thinks it's her. And listen, when asked to comment, an employee of the Sorrento Hotel said, "Listen, our ghost is very hip." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he's like listen we alice b toklas is the most famous piano student from the university of washington it must be her yeah i mean she was she was cool before cool is cool so she's a ghost she ain't trying to fucks with anyone she's trying just like she did with gertrude stein she's just trying to hang (laughs) she's just trying to hang inspire and muse bitches so and protect her skin with her parasol that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you gotta protect your skin. Uh, the Sorrento Hotel holds a yearly seance for Alice Betoklas. That's so cool. cool. So um, I'm gonna open it up for questions. If the, but I will say this: if the question is why did you do this, my answer is quarantine and fuck you. Um, <laughs> my my bigger response is thank you for um, thank you for letting me. Alice Betoklas is cool. Um, yeah, I, that those were not going to be my questions. My, my question is like, something must have happened there. Like, I'm wondering what that, that thing was that she's chosen to stick around at the Sorrento. Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, part of me, and this is all just like my imagination. Um, part of me probably thinks she left Seattle not feeling good about herself, feeling like a closeted lesbian, feeling like uh, she went to college early. I mean, remember she got to Paris in 1906. So women weren't doing these kind of things and she was very limited in what she could do. And it could just her going back and kind of being like, you know what, this is where I'm from. And I'm just this cool Parisian ghost. Like I'm just my life, y'all treat me like dick and I'm just back here and I want you to know like I'm cool as shit. They always say you return you always return home. Yeah. Oh, so I'll back home. Hang around Topeka, Kansas. You're gonna be in Topeka's. I'm gonna be in Champaign. Noel, where are you gonna be? (laughs) I don't know. I I won't be in Hubertus. Um sorry. (laughs) Sorry, everybody from home who's listening. Um, Listen, I won't be happy about it. I'm going to be at University High School in Champaign, Illinois, thinking to myself, what the fuck? Oh, I'm going to be so happy. I love Topeka High. So I'm Do gonna you be, really? I loved it. Yeah. Oh, I, I'm going to be so happy to haunt the halls there. 
I, I'm gonna be yeah. very ho hum about it, but I was also ho hum about it in the first place. <laughs> I'm ho- I I I mean, if I do have to go home, I hope I'm like roaming in the woods of my on my family's land and just like messing with teenagers who are trying to cut through. You're with evil my grandpa, with my grandpa. You're gonna be evil. Yeah, I'm gonna be, yeah, I'm just gonna be like deeply sighing in the English classroom. I'm just like, oh. <laughs> no, I'm definitely gonna be the witch in the woods. That's my that's my goal. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to be giving school tours like I did in high school. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. See, I'm That's life I'm dead. I'm just going to be sighing completely that people don't understand my avant-garde art. <laughs> and I helped Matisse. Matisse, Henri Matisse. Um, can I ask you this about Alice? You meant. Um, or Babs, as I like to call her. Um, she- did she die in Paris? Or she did, did she ever come back to the States? Okay, so once she left the States... She was like an expat forever. I think that's it. I think that's true. I don't know. Okay. Cool. I think that's what I know. Okay. All right. Well, for her. I mean, what a what a beautifully tragic story. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it's the Russian dolls of ghosts on ghosts on ghosts on ghosts. Like to be a shadow, to be a ghostwriter, and to be a literal ghost, and to never have a recognition for what you did in life or for who the person you loved was in life is pretty tragic. And so there are tales worse than death. Yes. Ah. Amazing. Well, well, Alice, we remember you now. Yeah. Uh, let's yeah. all say our drinks, and we're going to pour one out to the old Alice B. Toklas. Um, for my computer. Megan, you go first. Uh, this is Megan, friend of the show, drinking Antihero from Revolution Brewing in Chicago. And I'm pouring one out on my computer for her. <laughs> Not on your computer. Don't, don't, don't do that. That's a really bad idea. Um, Jay and I may have experienced that once before. Uh-huh. Um, I am uh, drinking Keep It Chill, which is a gamay from France, actually. It's a chilled red. Keep hey. it chill. As the French would say, keep it chill. <laughs> just like just like the French. Keep it chill. Oh, and I'm pouring out what I'm pouring one out for Alice B. Toglas because I am drinking Coors from the mountains of Coors in beautiful Colorado. It tastes like Coors. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to High Spirits. Um, we are so thankful that our very best pal, um, Megan Ensley, has joined us this evening. Megan Ensley is um, one of the most important people to us and such just such a great pally pound. So we're so excited whenever she can join us. Um, Miss mm-hmm. Noel has one last thing to say to you. Two actually stay home and sweet dreams. <laughs>